0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at quiz.fox. Previously on Fox News Rewind, Financial Crisis 08.
1: Are you angry at Dick Fold or any of the senior one. men? I'm not the only one.
2: Everyone is angry at Dick Fold. He's arrogant. I think if you identified an individual who are most responsible, it
3: was Dick Foles at Lehman Brothers.
4: According to the Wall Street Journal, Barclays, the third biggest British bank, will acquire Lehman Brothers' U.S. assets, including Lehman's headquarters.
3: If
5: we bail out Lehman Brothers, who's next?
3: The fallout from Lehman Brothers' bankruptcy cannot ever be underestimated. As big a hit as it was, it ain't by a long shot what 87 was.
1: Why was the system so fragile? This is the central question. American international group AIG got into trouble. It
5: would so uh, endeavor us to try to keep AIG afloat because it would have so many ancillary effects uh, on other aspects of the markets.
0: Federal Reserve handing AIG an $85 billion loan after the company's stock plummeted earlier this week.
3: A nation that was once the world's market envy is increasingly becoming the world's market pariah. Not despite all of these government rescues, but maybe, just maybe, because of those rescues. There
6: should not be any company in this country that's considered too big to fail. The
3: American people
7: are concerned about the situation in our financial markets and our economy, and I share their concerns.
2: So, you know, it was complete
4: chaos.
6: Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Episode 5, Rescue.
7: Good morning. My administration continues to work with the Congress on a uh, rescue plan. And we need a rescue plan. This is, uh, it's hard work. Our proposal is a big proposal. And the reason it's big and substantial is because we got a big problem. We also need to uh, move quickly. Now, anytime you have a plan this big that is moving this quickly, that requires legislative approval, it creates challenges.
8: There was an immediate move to try to get together some sort of a bill. Fox
0: News congressional correspondent Chad Pergram.
8: A financial rescue package, which later was called TARP, the Troubled Assets Relief Program, TARP, and put this on to the House and Senate floors rather quickly.
7: Members uh, want to be heard. They want to be able to express their opinions, and they should be allowed to express their opinions. There are disagreements over aspects of the rescue plan, but there is no disagreement that something uh, substantial must be done.
9: When uh, Congress finally started to work on the aid package, they did it because we were seeing these worsening economic conditions.
0: United States Senator from Tennessee. Marsha Blackburn.
9: You had the Bush administration, you had the House leadership, the Senate leadership that was scrambling to get a package pulled together saying this is going to stabilize the economic system.
10: Well, the House debated it extensively because it was an enormous amount of money.
0: Former United States Representative for Virginia's 8th Congressional District, Jim Moran.
10: And uh, what really was at stake were conflicting ideologies. Uh, The Republicans believed in a free market economy, of course, and this was the ultimate bailout. Uh, The Democrats, uh, they were being asked to pass something that the Bush administration proposed uh, that didn't even have the support of uh, the Republican Party.
8: I remember when the text came out. It was like early on a Saturday morning, and I think I got the text first. And, you know, we talk about the size of legislation here on Capitol Hill. It's often in hundreds, if not thousands, of pages. This was almost like a legislative haiku. It was so short. It was literally a few lines. And it basically just said, yeah, $700 billion. That's it. The starkness, the, the brevity of it with something, considering the severity of the problem, is what was significant to me.
9: President Bush is proposing what one Republican has dubbed the mother of all bailouts, $700 billion to buy a bad debt linked to the housing market.
7: This is a big price tag because it's a big problem, Mike. I told our people I don't want to be timid in the face of a significant problem that will affect The average citizen.
9: The bailout would be the biggest since the Great Depression. And according to Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson, there's no guarantee it will work. But Paulson says it's a necessary step and urges quick action.
11: I hate the fact that we have to do it, but it's better than the alternative. And once we stabilize the markets, we then have to take actions to make sure this doesn't happen again.
9: The plan is for the government to purchase toxic assets from financial firms.
8: Now, something they had to do was they had to get this across the House and Senate finish line rather quickly. And usually when you have a bill like that, when the President of the United States and the Speaker and others, so people from both parties, and they've communicated to both parties how significant this is and how dangerous it's going to be if they don't pass this, usually people are ready to to jump in. But because it was so much money, that was one of the problems. We
6: need a plan that helps families stay in their homes and workers keep their jobs. A plan that gives hardworking Americans relief instead of using taxpayer dollars to reward CEOs on Wall Street.
2: I can remember sending off yellow flares, then red flares, and I screaming
6: at the top of my lungs
2: that things are going in a very bad direction. Former
0: economic advisor to Senator John McCain, Mark Zandi. You
2: know, this was before Lehman failed. Once Lehman failed, it was obvious. But, you know, before that, it you know, it was not obvious. You had to be, you know, it, it, on the street, in the trenches, seeing what was going on. And I would write memos and, you know, have conversations. At the time, there was no Zooms. It was all on the phone. Uh, and uh, and uh, it was very hard to get a response. Uh, you know, people were, you know, in the campaign. They, they had, you know, daily responsibilities. They had to, they were busy. Uh, and they were thinking about all kinds of different policies. And, you know, campaigns are quite chaotic, even in the best of times. It was completely chaotic at the time. And uh, I couldn't get anyone to listen. I really couldn't.
5: I'm greatly concerned about the plan that gives a single individual the unprecedented power to spend one trillion, one trillion dollars without any meaningful accountability. God bless Senator
2: McKinney, you know, great man. And, uh, and, you know, had, you know, obviously uh, his principles uh, were, uh, you know, uh, beyond reproach, but he didn't, understand or even really care to understand what was going on in the economy that just was not what he was about He was about foreign policy right and that's why i got on the campaign not because of his economics uh you know i thought they were you know pretty nondescript i thought it was more of an open book and i could have some influence on how the policy was designed but on foreign policy he had strong convictions you know a very uh strong view and that's what i respected about him in addition to his character i you know felt that, but he didn't really have an interest in economics. And so therefore, that's pretty tough, you know, to talk about these things in a way that uh,
5: would resonate. There must be complete transparency in the review of this legislation and the implementation of any legislation. This can't be cobbled together behind closed doors. The American people have the right to know which businesses will be helped and with what selection will be based on and how much that help will cost All the details should be made available online and elsewhere for the open for open public scrutiny As the bottom is falling out of the economy I, I'm talking
4: to different sources Democrats and Republicans
0: chief political anchor and host of special report on the Fox News Channel
4: Brett Baer who are telling me essentially, Jesus of Nazareth could not win as a Republican based on what was happening with the economy because
8: it was so brutal and a Republican administration was taking the brunt of it. So then Democratic nominee Obama and Republican presidential nominee McCain come off the trail. In fact, McCain says, I'm going to suspend campaigning because we we got to work on this. Okay, that's significant. That communicated how important this was uh, to people and just how dangerous it was.
5: I do not believe that the plan on the table will pass as it currently stands, and we are running out of time. Tomorrow morning, I'll suspend my campaign and return to Washington after speaking at the Clinton Global Initiative. I've spoken to Senator Obama and informed him of my decision, and I've asked him to join me. I'm calling on the President to convene a leadership meeting from both houses of Congress, including Senator Obama and myself. It's time for both parties to come together to solve this problem. When
6: uh, Senator McCain called you back at 2.30, Right. He agreed
4: that there was a need for this joint statement. Yeah. Then he mentioned this meeting in Washington.
6: Right. Did he also say to you that he was not going to participate in the debate? Well, he you know he mentioned that uh, he was intending potentially t- he was going to fly to Washington, and that uh, he thought that perhaps we should suspend the debates. Uh, I thought this was something that was um, that he was mulling over. Uh, apparently, this was something that uh, you know he was more decisive about um, uh, in his own mind, uh, but. You know, As I said before, I think that one of the things that we need to determine is how can we be most helpful. Uh, I've spoken to congressional leaders every day this week. I've spoken to Secretary Paulson every day this week. Uh, uh, It's my sense that the most helpful thing we can do right now is to let everyone know that this is a sufficiently important problem, that the Democratic Standard Bearer and the Republican Standard Bearer have come together to issue a statement saying that in fact we need to deal with this problem.
0: During an address to the nation Wednesday night, President Bush appealed to Americans warning that failure to pass the rescue plan could devastate the economy.
6: The market is not
7: functioning properly. There has been a widespread loss of confidence and major sectors of America's financial system are at risk of shutting down.
0: The president also took an unusual step inviting both presidential candidates along with congressional leaders to the White House for a summit, one he hopes speeds up discussions toward a bipartisan bill. Both candidates have accepted that meeting will be held today.
2: The campaign decided that it would suspend campaigning and have McCain come back and meet with President Bush and the Democratic candidate for President President Obama to discuss what could be done. And, you know, I think again uh, Senator McCain was kind of out of his element uh, he, this was not an issue that he was well versed in, nor had really thought about at all to any significant degree and he was kind of blindsided by it because you know we as advisors had not been able to get it on the on the uh, on the front page for him and get him thinking about it and so he he came into that that meeting with President Bush I think well, very ill-prepared. He just wasn't prepared for it, and it showed.
7: I want to thank the uh, leaders of the House and the Senate for coming. I appreciate our presidential candidates for being here as well. Uh, We're we're in a serious economic crisis in the country, and if we don't pass a piece of legislation, Uh, I want to thank the spirit of bipartisan cooperation that's taking place here in Washington. One thing the American people have to know is that all of us around the table take this issue very seriously. And we know we've got to get something done as quickly as possible. And this meeting is an attempt to move the process forward. My hope is that we can reach an agreement very shortly. I want to thank the Secretary of the Treasury for working hard with the members. I thank the members for working long hours like they've been doing to come up with a solution that's bipartisan and that'll solve the problem. Thank you very
4: much. John McCain comes back and there is this sense that there is a, a moment where he can create a moment. Uh, but in reality, it is too much. It's overwhelming. Uh, and Barack Obama is in the, the catbird seat as far as
6: negotiating
4: behind the scenes with the folks that are making stuff happen.
6: Well, here's my uh, observation, Brett, and and I think it it may have been confirmed in the meeting today. Uh, When you inject presidential politics into delicate negotiations, uh, sometimes it's not helpful. Uh, The cameras change things. And I think that uh, right now the key is people not worrying about who gets credit or who gets blame, but just getting things done. And it's not clear to me that uh, having presidential candidates uh, in a high-profile way in the negotiating process is useful. I think we have to set out principles and say, let's get this thing done. But we have to present to the American people uh, where we expect to take the country in less than four months. There are all these congressmen and women who are trying to make a, a
4: determination about voting for this massive, massive bailout Uh, even as they are facing re-election. And it's a very not comfortable thing
12: to do. Much of the skepticism about the bailout was over the price, as lawmakers choked on the idea of giving the Treasury Secretary some $700 billion to buy up troubled mortgage debt. But some strenuously argue the critics were misleading people. When somebody
5: says $700 billion to a trillion dollars this is going to cost taxpayers, they are being dishonest when they make that statement because it's never going to cost that type of money. It's not even going to be close to that type of money.
12: In fact, Senator Gregg goes even further saying the cost could be small or that the U.S. government might even make money on the deal.
5: Instead of costing $700 billion, We may get $600 billion back. We may get $500 billion. We may get $800 billion back. Whatever we get back, that's going to be a net figure.
12: Even the director of the Congressional Budget Office, who will have to make an official determination about the effect of the bailout on the federal budget, says it's not like just spending the money.
5: This is much different than going out and just buying a tank or or, or something like that. We are buying financial assets. And the impact on the budget ultimately will be whether we overpay for those assets or not but it's not going to be $700 billion.
12: Aside from the necessity of doing something, one reason to think it wouldn't cost taxpayers that much is that past bailouts have often turned a profit.
1: They've often worked reasonably well. uh, In the case of, uh, for example, the bailout uh, of Mexico. Uh, Many years ago, the Mexicans repaid the loan and stabilized their economy.
12: In fact, former President Bill Clinton, who made that loan to Mexico, said this week he thinks there's a fair chance taxpayers will get all their money back, maybe even turn a profit. And he notes Mexico paid the U.S. back three years early and that we made $600 million on the deal. The legislative process is sometimes not very pretty.
7: But we are going to get a package passed we will rise to the occasion republicans and democrats will come together and pass a substantial rescue plan
8: thank you very much so they go to put this bill on the floor and you're going to need a a coalition of of democrats and republicans in the house of representatives and This to this day remains one of the strangest days I have ever seen in congressional history. You don't usually put bills on the floor if they are going to fail. If they're going to fail or you don't have the votes lined up, you don't put them on the floor. You wait until you get the votes or if they never get the votes, then you never do. So they didn't have the latter option because the economy was going to collapse here. So they needed to get this bill on the floor. So there was this kind of kabuki dance, this stare down that was going on between the Democrats and Republicans as to who was going to move and who was going to provide the votes. Now, the Democrats, obviously, they had the majority in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. And so, you know, they're probably going to carry most of the freight here, but they need a significant amount of uh, of votes from Republicans.
10: The Democrats felt that this was unreasonable to expect them to take the lead on this. Uh, when uh, the president wasn't able to get the majority of his own party to support it.
9: I voted no for the, on the package because I felt like it was um, not going to, to solve the problem. And what we were doing was trying to step in and put government as the floor, in most cases, on these issues that were coming before us.
8: So they go to the a floor vote. And this is where it got really weird. I'm standing outside the House chamber and somebody had put a monitor out in the hallway there where you could see the vote tally on the House floor and also the stock market. And this vote was losing and it started to lose badly. And in real time, you started to see the Dow plunge in synchronicity with the vote on the House floor. Never before and never since have I ever seen an actual econometric judgment at that moment as to what they were doing in Congress. Good afternoon.
9: As you know, about a week and a half ago, the administration visited Capitol Hill and described a crisis in our financial markets and in our economy. Uh, A couple of days later, they presented us with their legislation and since then, we have worked in a bipartisan way to improve that legislation. Uh, we've entered into those conversations in the spirit of bipartisanship uh, with the understanding that each side uh, would uh, uh, have half of our votes to pass the bill. Today, when the legislation came to the floor, uh, the Democratic side more than lived up to its side of the bargain. While the legislation may have failed, the crisis is still with us.
6: Americans are angry, and so are my colleagues. Uh, They don't want uh, to have uh, to vote for a bill uh, like this. And I understand that. Uh, But I have concerns about what this means for the American people, what it means for our economy, what it means for people's jobs. Uh, I think that we need to renew our efforts uh, to find a solution that Congress can support. Uh, I do believe that uh, we could have gotten there today uh, had it not been uh, for this partisan speech that the Speaker gave on the floor of the House. I mean, we were, we were, we've put everything we had into getting the votes uh, to get there today. Uh, but uh, the Speaker had to give a partisan voice that, that poisoned uh, our conference, uh, caused the number of members that we thought we could get to go south.
8: When they vote in Congress, you almost never know exactly what the impact of that vote is. It usually takes at a minimum a few days, if not weeks, if not an election cycle or several years to truly understand the impact of a vote. Never before had I seen an immediate adjudication, a judgment on a vote. The Dow was falling precipitously in sync with what was going on on the House floor because they knew how bad this was. They weren't going to approve this uh, troubled asset relief program, TARP and the economy was going to go in the tank. I mean, this was this was 1929 all over again.
3: That very day, the markets tumbled 777 points, which was a record percentage decline that one day.
11: Good afternoon. I'm very disappointed in today's vote, but, uh, but leaders on both sides of the aisle have worked very hard. I've spoken to them, and I know they share my great disappointment. We've experienced significant turmoil in our financial markets in the last few days including the collapse of Washington Mutual and Wachovia here and the failure of two major financial institutions in Europe. Markets around the world are under stress and that reduces the availability of credit that businesses across America depend on to meet payroll and to purchase inventories. At Washington Mutual's downtown headquarters, the end of the day was the end of an era. The largest
1: thrift in the U.S. gone, now under the umbrella of J.P. Morgan Chase. Washington Mutual's headquartered here in Seattle, um, it's a big part of it, much like uh, Microsoft and Boeing. And so you've lost another, much like Safeco, you know, you've lost another
11: hometown company.
1: Earlier this month customers started taking money out of WAMU, an outflow of cash totaling more than 16 billion dollars. That left WAMU without enough cash to meet its obligations. The Fed closed WAMU and the FDIC stepped in. For employees it's been a waiting game until today.
2: Relief just because not knowing is is harder than sometimes just knowing and dealing with that.
1: You know how it goes when you get taken over there's always going to be layoffs. So I think that's the biggest concern. J.P. Morgan Chase paid 1.9 billion dollars to essentially buy WAMU from the FDIC, but they didn't take everything, leaving behind all unsecured debt, but taking all WAMU home loans and WAMU retail branches and all deposits. Regulators say the change will have no impact on the bank's depositors or other customers. Business will proceed uninterrupted, at least for now. Washington Mutual uh, suffered from um, uh, from the liquidity crisis that was hitting virtually all banks in uh, in the fall of 2008.
0: Former CEO of Washington Mutual, Kerry Killinger.
1: I, again, we we. When I left the bank in uh, early September, we had plenty of excess liquidity. We had one of the strongest capital ratios of any bank in the country, and I thought they would be uh, in good shape. Uh, however, when Lehman Brothers failed um, in, in late September, uh, that, that set a shock through the entire system that, that caused both a run on deposits for certain banks, including Washington Mutual, Wacovia, and many others, it also dried up all the wholesale sources of borrowing because Wall Street was locked. They just didn't know how to loan or what to do in, in that kind of a period. And unexplainably, the Fed, Federal Reserve itself withheld some liquidity from Washington Mutual, which makes absolutely no sense uh, in, from what I can see at this point. So that combination put the uh, company into a liquidity bind. Um, it's interesting to note that deposits had already stabilized and were starting to do uh, just fine. And so liquidity was returning when, when for whatever reason, the regulators decided to jump in and very quickly force a sale of Washington Mutual to JB Morgan Chase. Uh, and the reason they wanted to do that is it took care of a potential concern form at no cost to the taxpayers. So this is a very rare transaction where the where the company was uh, uh, was seized, uh, but the FDIC incurred no losses, <laughs> and uh, the the losers going by on that were unfortunately the Washington Mutual shareholders and its bondholders, and uh, the huge beneficiaries over over time, of course, have been the J.P. Morgan sh- uh, shareholders. It was just a, a windfall. Uh, for them, and it was forced on the company again by regulators acting in an inconsistent manner from one organization to another. In this case, Washington Mutual suffered greatly, and uh, J.P. Morgan Chase shareholders benefited greatly.
0: We had uh, we were preparing for bank failures. When you put banks on the trouble bank list, that meant our examiners started going to these banks too to try to make sure, see what could be done, what could be fixed, and if they were gonna fail, figure out when they were gonna fail. Former chair of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Sheila Baer. Try to sell them before they did fail. That was really important to us. That was our preferred course of action. Most of the bank players we handled were of smaller banks, few big ones, but most of them were the smaller banks and we sold them to other healthy small banks. And that was a much, much better way of handling it than like putting them into receivership and liquidating them. Because you put them into receivership and you liquidate them, it's the same kind of thing you had with Lehman Brothers is there's a full stop to the services that these banks would be providing to their depositors, to deposit borrowers. And we didn't want to do that. So by selling the failed bank to a healthy bank, we could keep, you know, It was just like any other acquisition, the deposits transferred over, the loan relationships transferred over. From the customer's perspective, it was completely seamless.
6: Do you have any questions about the bailout, potential bailout? The whole thing with Congress is driving me crazy. I don't understand what they're doing. Either they're going to bail them out or they're not going to bail them out. They keep playing around. All they're going to do is drive us all broke. I mean, it's crazy. And with Washington Mutual going down, this is no big deal. I mean, I've got an account at Chase, so I'm going in here just to get some money. I don't care. They're going to end up being fine. A lot of the banks are fine. If these guys don't fix this thing because of the greed that went on in Wall Street, I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Well, with that said, what would your question be for Washington if you had them in front of you right now, if you had a
6: question? What are you people doing? Quit it. One day after a
12: record drop on Wall Street, both presidential candidates are back on the campaign trail, urging Congress to get back to work on its financial rescue plan as soon as possible.
5: And I know that many of the solutions to this problem may be unpopular, but the dire consequences of inaction will be far more damaging to the economic security of American families,
6: and the fault will all be ours. We must act, and we must act now. We can't have another day like yesterday. We can't risk another week or another month where American businesses are afraid to extend credit and lend money. The White House says both Barack
12: Obama and John McCain spoke with President Bush this morning. Meanwhile, the House is out of session until Thursday because of a religious holiday. But behind the scenes, lawmakers are working on what to do next, how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They
4: are not um, fully courageous. In, the, in their understanding of, of the problem that they were facing. But eventually, uh, Congress learns that it's going to have to step up in order to prevent the country from going into not just a recession,
3: but a depression. Everyone got back together and said, oh my God. Host of Your World on the Fox
0: News channel and Cavuto, coast to coast on the Fox Business Network. Neil Cavuto.
3: This is, the markets are panicking at this, that the, the Washington is, you know, is, is, is failing us. They got back together in light of that market sell-off to get another version of TARP, this program, voted on. So the House didn't have the votes
8: on this, but the Senate did. And it certainly helped to have both the Democratic and Republican standard bearers, candidate Obama, candidate McCain, fly back in off the trail, and say, we're going to vote for this. And the thing passed with more than 70 votes. So by so doing, and of course, I I think because there was this financial shock and everybody saw just how bad it was going to be, because of that real-time econometric judgment with the Dow syncing up with the House vote, you know, losing 777 points there, people then got religion. They understood. And so they passed this through the Senate with more than 70 votes. And then they brought it back to the House of Representatives. And then they were able to get the right coalition of Democrats and Republicans and pass the bill.
9: I voted against this also. There again, looking at the major divisions and the way they were trying to push the money into um, the economy, push it out the door, you just cannot tax and spend your way out of a recession.
10: The Republican fear that the country was going to revolt at bailing out the banks uh, was only partially—that uh, only partially came true because uh, that by that time people were realizing that something dramatic had been done, and this this was what was dramatic, and and, um, and then the banks started lending again, and the market started uh, coming back, and so. I think the public felt, well, yeah, I guess this was
7: necessary to do this. I just had the uh, honor of uh, talking to Treasury uh, Department employees and thanking them for their hard work over the past six weeks in dealing with a serious financial uh, crisis. I do want to thank the secretary, too, Mr. Secretary. You and your team have worked incredibly hard. Uh, You've worked uh, with the Congress. You've worked with the financial markets both domestically and internationally. Uh, I, I know that your people are exhausted in there. I um, Really appreciate the fact that I, I'm gonna sign a piece of legislation that'll be a part of you know, solving this crisis, an important part of solving the crisis. And, uh, and so I just went up to thank people. You know, sometimes people in government never get thanked enough for all the hours they keep. And I, you know, I've got a lot of confidence in you, Mr. Secretary, and your team. And I want to thank you for giving me a chance to come by and uh, looking forward to, looking forward to getting this plan in place. I just told the people in the Rose Garden that you know, it's complicated, and we're going to make sure that whatever we do is done in a deliberate fashion and one that will be effective and be mine for the taxpayers. You
6: know, we passed a financial rescue plan that has the promise to help stabilize the financial system, but only if we act quickly and effectively and aggressively. The Treasury Department has to move faster with their plan to put more money into struggling banks so they have enough to lend.
3: But the irony I always said, when you are a creature of the markets or do the markets bidding, um, they can punish you. The fact of the matter is to avoid a market route, we voted on a rescue package that we thought uh, would ease it. The irony was that after that rescue, The market still, over time, fell thousands of points. So when you do the market's bidding, or you're a central bank or a Federal Reserve, and you're looking at what's happening, and you're trying to avoid a sell-off, you can't control the markets. They do their own thing. They have their own wisdom. They follow their own flight plan. It's not one man or one woman. It's a collective groupthink. And... I always feel to this day, Washington officials, Federal Reserve officials, too closely follow the markets. I always joke that if I were president or I were central bank chief, I wouldn't care what they were doing. It's not about about the markets, it's about what's good in the long term, sort of like if you have a child who has a drug problem, you can keep giving them drugs to keep them up. What good is that doing? I like to think that the markets have become such a, a drug uh, that we cave in to them all the time. I'm not saying this. I'm not anti-capitalist. I'm anti-foolish behavior and rewarding it to calm a beast that you can't control.
0: Next time on Fox News Rewind, Financial Crisis 08.
7: For years, America's automakers have faced serious challenges. In recent months, the global financial crisis has made these challenges even more severe. Ben Bernanke
3: finally realized that he still had more work to do. We got bailed out. We got sold out. We realize over time that someone's idea of success can be very, very different.